0: Paper Flower Consortium, Episode 15, Guests in Room 014 of The Night Owl. Recording by Loretta Fabron-Foy, former lady of the Kingdom of France, Current historian and librarian of the Paperflower Consortium. Welcome back, beloved initiates and other listeners. Tonight we shall discuss a most important topic manners. One reason that vampires are sexualized in human society is we work hard to be cultured, whatever that culture is. We try to act in a manner that creates a pleasant experience for everyone. We believe good manners show the best we have to offer, and it encourages others to be at their best. Though our library has books on etiquette and courtly behavior of several different centuries, and tonight's story will mention the procedures of dueling, but I am not really talking about perfect etiquette. Indeed, I am talking about the basic of treating everyone with respect, no matter who they are, Now, there are different expectations of the behaviors of different species, but we have mostly found that either they want to be left alone or they understand the basics of vampire behavior if they wish to interact with us. Because when one doesn't, it is quite easy to find oneself in trouble around supernatural beings. Now, some may say manners are overrated as they repress straightforwardness or even truthfulness. I disagree. No debate is ever won by bad manners. Even when someone believes they have won, they have literally turned people away. And I believe our 45th president exposed what bad manners can do to a democracy. But let us not talk about politics. In your own life, have you ever had a change of heart because someone trolled you online? I never have. I'm guessing you have not either. But vampires must be careful not only with their own mannerisms, but their enthralled humans' manners as well. We have seen firsthand how an ill-mannered enthralled human can hurt a vampire both in reputation and, possibly, even in injury. I hate to use the now common derogatory moniker of Karen, as I have a beloved family member and friends with that name, but the story I will tell tonight deals with that type of rude, entitled individual. If you have ever worked in a retail setting and had a customer forget their manners, well, you will understand tonight's story. It is well known that my darling Charles and four of his offspring work in the hospitality side of the hospitality industry. Housing visiting vampires has always been important to the Paperflower Consortium. As Seattle is a port city, we quickly learned that other species also need short-term housing. As I've said before, the building which now houses the Night Owl Extended Stay Hotel is an older building finished in the 1890s. It was converted into a hotel after our current building was finished after World War II. All that being said, we do not claim something we are not. The Night Owl is a three-star hotel. That means we strive to meet all three-star standards in regards to the terms of lodging. Though, in some ways, we are still under older codes, as we are a vintage building. What this means is we are in full-time operation seven days a week. As Seattle does not have a tourist season, we remain open all year. As we have four floors plus one underground floor, we did a retrofit in the 1950s with a single elevator. All of our bedrooms, bathrooms, and public spaces, and kitchen are fully cleaned daily. And COVID is not even the first pandemic we've existed through, so our cleaning standards were already higher than COVID-19 guidelines. Our rooms get aired nightly. Our quality linens are provided to all guests. A clean change of coffin, bed, and bath linens occur nightly and between check-ins. All rooms have an attached four-piece bathroom with toilet, bidet, sink, and shower and tub combination. As most Americans still prefer toilet paper rather than using the bidet, we offer that too. We provide full, sunproof, double caskets in every vampire room, plus roll away queen beds with pillow top mattresses for their enthralled humans. And we do not charge extra for enthralled human accommodation in the same room as the vampire. Only the giant room is set up differently, with six queen beds lashed together because, well, it is made for giants. We also offer 24-hour room service and breakfast and dinner service in a dining room. Indeed, most of our visitors enjoy what they now call a bed-and-breakfast experience. I say all of this so you understand the fullness of this situation that I am going to relay. Now, I will beg your pardon, but I found myself chuckling several times when I was relaying this story because what happened truly is a comedy of errors. Now, if Charles and I hadn't stepped in when we did, it might have gotten violent, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The Adams gave me permission to tell this story, and Courtney has also given me their permission, and indeed laughed with me when we went over some of the details together. The vampire guest remains unnamed except the English version of the title they used. Mr. Smith and Mr. Lee would be well over 90 years old by now, but their names have been changed just in case. So let us begin. I remember it was pre-dawn in April of 1969. Charles Thirdborn Courtney was at the front desk. Courtney had only been a vampire for a few years at this point, And as everyone knows, Courtney bends over backwards to help her customers, which is why they are so wonderful with most people but this tendency also means they tend to tie themselves in knots when something goes wrong. Now, none of that really matters to the story, except Courtney can be browbeaten by irate customers, and that is exactly what happened. When two very good-looking human men entered the night owl, carrying a latched travel coffin between them, though the sun had not yet risen and wouldn't for a few hours. Good evening, Courtney said. This hotel is not in downtown Seattle the first man said, looking around the lobby. Uh, Yes, sir, we're in Georgetown, Courtney said. Who goes to Georgetown? The other muttered. Uh, We are convenient to the new highway and airport, Courtney replied, and we do have a car service into the city if you need one. Charles, overhearing all this, took over for Courtney as he could see these customers were be overbearing. And he said... I have no problem calling another hotel for you if you wish to stay in a location closer to the city center. The first beautiful man did not answer. Instead, he said, we have a reservation under Smith and Lee. And Mr. Smith signed the register and passed over a credit card. Charles escorted them to their room. He rolled the bags on a trolley, but the men carried the coffin, though they did not need to do so. We have a special trolley for coffins. And when Charles opened the door to room 107, Mr. Smith grumbled, I would rather sleep on the street than stay here. And Charles said, still smiling, you are welcome to do that. As he expected, Mr. Smith shouted, I want to speak to your manager. And Charles said, I'm the owner. As I have mentioned, if our establishment cannot serve your needs, I have no problem calling another hotel for you. Then the men's satisfaction was all made clear. They wanted to stay in the city's center, but their vampire did not. We are here because our vampire wants to stay among his people, Mr. Smith said. Then how may I help you, Mr. Smith? Those curtains are dusty, and they're much too thin. Now, just so you know, the curtains are full blackout curtains, and there are three layers. The blackout curtains, shears... And, as I said, it was 69, so in that year we actually had vertical slatted plastic track blinds, which were very modern-looking in 1969, completely covered the window. Sunlight was not getting in. Charles moved the trio three times. On the ground floor, in room 014, Mr. Smith and Mr. Lee finally found the room they liked. They undid the latch on the travel coffin. And the vampire, whom they just referred to as Baron, rose from his coffin wrapped in velvet with great spectacle. After he rose, the Baron poked about the room and ran his finger along the surface of furniture, as if he were inspecting it. Charles noticed Baron never told us what he was the Baron of or gave us a full name. Charles had the sense that he was a younger vampire than he claimed, Perhaps 19th century. Humans can be easily fooled, as they only know the age in which they live. But it's harder to fool a vampire. Still, Charles is proud of the service the night owl provides, and did not want to press the other vampire. And Charles asked if he could get them more towels, hoping to hurry this along. And finally, Charles was dismissed. But as he exited, he heard the vampire say, What type of hotel lets a scarred man work the front desk? Charles ignored this. He has no shame about his scars. And if that shame ever does creep into our existence, I would remind my husband that he is the most handsome man in the world in my eyes. Charles hoped that though they were demanding and specific about their needs, they would be quiet for the rest of their stay. Sometimes guests are like that. Unfortunately, that was not to be. During that day, Mr. Smith was heading to the ice machine when he ran across two ghosts, a Mr. and Mrs. Adams, who were floating down the hall to the dining room. While ghosts don't have huge appetites, they do like to smell and often enjoy seeing others enjoying themselves. And we offer small tasting plates at very reasonable prices, which ghosts just love, since one or two bites of anything will fill them for months. The ghost tipped his hat to Mr. Smith as he moved to the elevator. And we are not sure if a bit of icy ether drifted past him or touched Mr. Smith. But we do know that Mr. Smith said, you're crowding me. And Mr. Adams tipped his hat again and said, forgive me, sir. My wife and I are heading to the dining room. Mr. Smith nodded. And then Mr. Smith started muttering under his breath when he assumed they were out of earshot. And at least one of the sentences was something like, your lady is a fat pampered dog. And that was that. Mr. Adams turned and said, You offended my wife. That requires an apology, sir. Instead of apologizing, Mr. Smith said, I'm sorry you have a fat wife. Unfortunately for Mr. Smith, this particular ghost couple were from the 18th century, and unlike vampires who must remain in time because of our physical needs, ghosts really don't. The ghost challenged Mr. Smith to a duel in the parking lot. Mr. Smith then called the ghost crazy and tried to shove the ghost, which, of course, he couldn't. And it didn't matter that his hand just swiped through the ether, this was the worst thing he might have done, because not only had he insulted the ghost a third time, but a blow is never tolerated between gentlemen of the 18th century. And now Mr. Adams said that he had the first shot, which, according to dual rules, he did. Mr. Smith ran back down the hall without an answer. And the ghost voice echoed after him. So you are a coward as well. You see, we do not know if Mr. Smith was actually a coward, but he ran back to the room because he expected his vampire, the Baron, to know what to do. The Baron had no idea what to do with the ghost who wanted to duel. He did, however, know that a ghost might pull a soul out of a vampire. So he shouted at the ghost to leave them alone. And Mr. Lee escaped to the front desk. There was a phone in the room, but we think Mr. Lee just wanted to get away from the chaos. Now Charles had already left for the morning, and Courtney was at the front desk when Mr. Lee started screaming, I want to talk to your manager, there's a ghost in the hotel. And poor Courtney was stammering, of course there is, there are guests. How may I help you, sir? My vampire does not approve. They're paying guests, sir, Courtney said. Well, what are you going to do about this? Do you know who my vampire is? Courtney, of course, had no idea who the vampire was, because the reservation was under a Messrs. Smith and Lee. The vampire wasn't listed. The Baron will rip the throat out of the next person who disrespects us, Mr. Lee cried. And Courtney asked, I'm sorry, but who is disrespecting you? And Mr. Lee slapped the counter and then said something about dueling. Now Courtney went downstairs to the room. Mr. Lee remained in the hall outside the room where Mrs. Adams stood, unmoving. Mr. Adams shouted at Baron, If your man is a coward, then I shall duel you. Let us go to the parking lot. Leave my room. The Baron bellowed in return. As everyone was in the Baron's room, Courtney tried to calm Mr. Adams, who kept demanding his satisfaction, and the Baron, who simply kept screaming every time the ghost grew near. "'What are you going to do about this indomitable situation?' the Baron shouted and threw a lamp across the room. "'He's no gentleman!' Mr. Adams hurled back at the Baron. "'Please, if everyone would just calm down,' Courtney said. "'Don't tell us to calm down! My lady's been insulted!' Mr. Adams shouted. "'Who are you to tell me to calm down?' the Baron shouted. "'I'm going to call the manager!' Now, at this point, Courtney decided that it was best to call the manager. And he and Mr. Lee ran out of the room and to the courtesy phone. And so Courtney called us at home. Well, I should say he called Charles, but I answered the phone. Before voicemail and smartphones, I loved answering the phone because it was always a surprise to hear who was on the other end. Phones used to be a marvelous invention, and I'm sort of sad that everyone texts now, but I better get back to the story. Of course, Courtney was apologizing for bothering me because they are such a kind, gentle soul. And I was calling to my husband, who was already in our coffin, and Charles was quite annoyed. And he said, the Shab Baron in room 014? Sounds like it. Apparently, they're upset that there are ghosts in the hotel. And Charles said, I'm getting upset I allowed those prats to stay here. It was obvious Charles and I were taking too long to decide what to do because I could hear mister Lee shouting in the background. Finally Courtney just started crying and said, Lady Lord, I must speak to Charles. Those men are dueling. They're dueling with the ghosts now. It was obvious a lady's touch was needed. But by this I don't mean female. I mean my previous position as a lady of the French court. So I dressed quickly. Charles and I walked through the tunnel and into the ground floor into the hotel, Courtney's eyes alighted upon me and Charles, but they didn't make eye contact with either of us and said, I tried to stop them. I think I messed it up worse. Courtney was trying to hold in their emotions, but their involuntary reactions proved to Charles and I how frightened and stressed they were. I believe they believed the threats made by Mr. Lee, or perhaps they just feared that Charles was going to blame them for letting this get out of hand as it did. So we went to room 014, where the Vampire Baron and his enthralled human, Mr. Smith, were screaming at the ghost slipping in and out of the door. The other ghost was covering their empty black orbs, and I believe she was embarrassed. "'Excuse me,' I said over the noise. "'So you are a coward as well. He insulted my lady, and he placed his hands upon me,' the ghost said. "'I was not planning to hurt them, but I must have my satisfaction.' "'This place is a sanctuary for all,' I said. "'May I offer you something for your trouble? "'An upgraded suite. "'We have a lovely top-floor suite with a view of the forest. "'My husband will show you the way, "'and I shall ensure they do not trouble you again.' "'Once Charles got Mr. and Mrs. Adams upstairs, "'I turned on the vampire. "'It is well known this hotel caters to all species. "'If you do not wish to be housed in this establishment, "'I shall call a car for you.' Mr. Smith made another mistake, which exposed that the Baron was definitely a pretender and not a gentleman. He took one look at me, and then a step towards me, and he knew I would not touch an enthralled human, and so he used that rule against me to grab my wrist. I think they thought to cow me, which is foolishness. I am what they used to call a new woman, so my honor is my own. Even so, it was good Charles and Mr. Adams had gone upstairs. Their presence may have worsened the situation. So I just said, I would remove your hand, Mr. Smith, or you will lose it. And Mr. Smith asked, Baron. And the vampire sniffed at me and said, A beauty such as yourself shouldn't have to look at scars for eternity. And I just smiled and said, Insulting my husband does not endear you to me. Charles bears the scars he earned in battle. He is much more noble in character than you by far. How dare you insult me, the vampire said. I am Loretta Fabron, second born of Lady Agata. Born of the Viscount and Viscountess of Fabron, Adopted by Lady Agata and Sir Jacob. You see, I only mentioned my noble birth because I knew he would be impressed by such things. After all, he was obviously a pretender. Or, if he was a baron, he recently bought the title. Otherwise, he would have known the rules of dueling. He quieted immediately. "'Release the lady,' the baron said, and Mr. Smith released me. And after I had gained assurances that there would be no more trouble coming from this room, I found Mr. Lee and told him the scandal had been averted and he might return to the room with the baron and Mr. Smith, and Mr. Lee thanked me quietly. And then I climbed the steps to the suite where Mr. and Mrs. Adams were being settled.' Once again, I introduced myself with my full birth rank and title and begged their pardon for what had happened under my roof. Mr. Adams accepted my apology and told me it was not my offense, especially after I offered my hand to his wife and asked if they might enjoy dining with Charles and I. Now, if one is confused, this means as our guests, and if one is still confused, that means their meals were on us. Indeed, for the insult, we comped the room. Now, of course, poor Courtney was quite confused about the rules of duels and exactly what was happening and why people were apologizing all of a sudden, but they did understand enough to go get our private dining room ready. And that was the end of the ugliness. And the Baron did play cards one night with a few other vampire guests at the hotel. His, Mr. Smith, and Mr. Lee remained in their room and ordered room service. They were much more polite to the waiter. Though Baron came for the fellowship with other vampires, he tried to sidle close to the nobleborn among us while ignoring our offspring. In Pascaline's case, he had the gall to ignore her husband. He didn't even thank Geoffrey for the service or take his hand in greeting. And though we were not discourteous to Baron, he found that he did not like the vampires of Seattle. He told us our city was spoiled by democracy. He returned to the hotel for the rest of his stay and remained there until the car took him away. And this was fine with us because in 1969 we had several fledglings of different nationalities and socioeconomic statuses. The last thing a fledgling need is a classist, racist, or just jerk vampire and their brood enthralled humans. And this is why it is always best to treat everyone with respect no matter what their species. And of course, now it is even more important. If we acted in such a manner to a hotel or store clerk or one of our enthralled humans did, it would be trending in ten minutes. We must always act in a way that is good for the coven. And manners are good for the coven. And now a word from our sponsor, M Y T Clothier. Vampires do you dislike ripped denim, thin fabrics, and how well-made modern clothing is covered in labels? M Y T Clothier creates custom clothing in accessible styles for all body types from all eras, including this one. We use the best quality hand-woven silk embroidered from China to mask from France and Italian embroidery and leathers and other fine fabrics. If you wish to look like you stepped out of time or even reality with a fantastical design, we can make that happen too. And werewolf friends, we have a wide variety of double woven stretchy materials for those quick transformations. If the cloth tears when you transform, we'll fix it or replace it for free. And for all you growing sea serpents, we have 72 sizes of t-shirts and tube tops all the way from zero zero to monster five X. And if you need even a bigger size, just send us your measurements. We'll make it custom for you. At NYT Clothier, quality is our style. Call for a fitting tonight or check out our new online store. Now, time for questions. Lady Ruetta, manners change even in a human lifetime. How can we be certain that we don't offend people of different species? Well, first I'd like to say, some people claim that people are more easily offended nowadays, but as you can see from the story, people have always dealt with transgressions in different ways. People of all species want to be treated with respect and kindness, especially when people are traveling. Everyone expects minor inconveniences and even at times accidental offenses. If Mr. Smith had stepped out of the way and kept his mouth shut, there would have been no ugliness. Even after the insult, if he would have just apologized and begged pardon, there would have been no talk of duels. And even if Baron had done so, as the head of their household, he could have relaxed the tension. There was so many times that this could have stopped on their own, they really did not need me to step in. Later, Lerda, okay, I can behave in a certain way, but how can I ensure that my enthralled humans are well-mannered? My beloveds, though we need enthralled humans, one should never rush into an arrangement with a human just because they offer their blood. Spend time with them before a contract is signed and watch how they treat people, especially folks in the janitorial industries or waitstaff. Never allow them, I believe the current phrase is, punch down, as the Baron did in my story. So that's it for tonight. In our next lesson, we will discuss pets and strict laws from turning them into vampires. And my beloved, we will be doing another dramatized radio play, Transformative Holiday Traditions for the Holidays. It will be released on December 11th for patrons and widely available on December 18th. Have a good day, beloved initiates, and sleep the sleep of the dead. The Paper Flower Consortium, episode 15, was written and performed by Elizabeth Gazzetti. If you love this podcast, like and share this episode, leave a review, and please consider donating either one time or through the Patreon. If you have questions for Lady Loretta, please send her a question through the Patreon slash Paperflower Consortium or at info at com. The intro and outro music was written by Evan Witz, and you can learn more about his music at com. Thanks for listening.